Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of A Different Practice. I'm really excited to be here with you today, although admittedly a little bit nervous. I've gone back and forth on creating this episode for some time now, and as you'll hear, I have all the feels about it, uh, but I'm hopeful that by sharing my story, there's at least one person out there who can resonate with a part of it, or maybe it provides some permission that someone has been waiting to hear, or some words of encouragement that will help somebody. So I thank you in advance for listening um, to my story of how I almost quit the legal profession. Welcome to A Different Practice. I'm your host, Lauren Lester, and I'm obsessed with all things business, well-being, and optimizing the practice of law for solo and small firm lawyers. I started my solo practice right out of law school, built it from the ground up, and now work four days a week while earning well over six figures. I'm here to share tangible, concrete tips and resources for ditching the legal profession's antiquated approach and building a law practice that optimizes growth and enjoyment. Think of this as grabbing coffee with your work bestie, mixed with all the stuff they didn't teach you in law school about how to run a business. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to be encouraged and challenged. This is a different practice. So I want to give you a little background first. I started my practice in 2015. It was right out of law school. And for the first couple of years, it was slow as most new businesses experience. And by 2019, I had decided to make the shift to exclusively practicing family law. And that came out of the previous years. I'm just getting more family law leads. There was more volume there. Uh, it was a little bit easier of a sell because of the time frame that family law cases here in Colorado need, right? There was a little bit more urgency. When I first started out, I was also doing estate planning in addition to family law and that, you know, I love estate planning. Um, as you'll see, I've come back to it, but there just wasn't the sense of urgency with it. Uh, and so I said, you know what, 2019, I'm just going to sell family law cases. And so I did that for several years. But by the time December 2021 rolled around, I was sitting in a mediation it was for a divorce case um, where my client had been the breadwinner for some time and her spouse you know, really didn't have the motivation to get any sort of job for a long time. They had uh, teenage kids and the case was generally going along smoothly. I felt like I was proactively communicating with the other side. We have a financial disclosure requirement here in Colorado. I'd gotten all my clients' financial disclosures over. I had asked opposing counsel if they needed anything, would they please let me know? We got mediation scheduled. You know, it's scheduled a ways out. It was probably two months from the date that we scheduled that we actually showed up to mediation. I sent some proposals over ahead of time. You know, I was really trying which was my norm to solve this problem that these two people were having, to try and find a resolution that everybody could at least live with and these two parties could keep control of their case rather than give it to the judge and have them make the decision. 
So we show up to mediation and the mediator goes into the um, opposing party's room with his attorney, comes back fairly quickly and says they are not going to discuss any of the finances of the marriage until they get more information about a retirement account that my client had. This was beyond frustrating, but this wasn't uncommon. I had run into this type of tactic. I won't even call it a strategy for years now, right there. We had months. The other attorney could easily have asked me for whatever information he wanted. For the most part, if it was within the rules, I would have provided it, but they wasted everyone's time. They showed up to mediation so that they could just check the box off. I don't believe they were there in good faith to actually try and find a resolution And so their immediate response was, we're going to set it for hearing. I ended that mediation where my client was obviously upset, frustrated, annoyed, all the things I felt. I tried to keep my emotion in check for her and just support her and validate how she was feeling. But I was so distraught, felt so hopeless at that point, really just kind of a sense of despair almost that I hung up the mediation. I, you know, I clicked leave meeting on Zoom and I immediately thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And that came out of nowhere. That wasn't a thought I had been having. It was really the first time it just kind of popped up. You know, that voice deep inside just sort of said, I'm going to yell this pretty loud so that you cannot mistake you hear me. And for me, having worked so hard to get into law school, to go through law school part-time while working a full-time job, to passing the bar, to opening my business, right? Like this was my dream, quote unquote, that I had worked for so many years for, that that was a pretty scary thought that I was just done. So I thought, you know what, this was just a tough mediation, you know, this attorney on the other side, we've run into this before. This is their tactic, you know, for the most part, the final resolution in my cases where I had an attorney like this um, was still positive for my client. We just kind of had to take the long road, had to keep our heads down, not get distracted by all of the antics. So I thought, you know, this was just a bad one. Let me go take a walk. Let me get away from my desk you know, I'm in all of the stress of it right now. It was one of those beautiful kind of wintry, sunny days here in Colorado. So I put my shoes on, left the house, um, got about a block and a half from my house, which probably took me a minute and a half and had a million thoughts during that time. Like my mind was just spinning and racing and I know exactly where I was Um, And I kind of had this calm and this kind of quiet happen for a second. And as I was walking, all of a sudden, I think that, you know, voice came back and asked out loud, at least in my head, the question that I think I was really afraid to always ask because of how hard I'd worked, because this is what I thought I always wanted. 
you know, I'm not a quitter. I will grind things out. Like I am an achiever, right? That's where I was coming from. And I stood there on the sidewalk for a second and said the question out loud that was terrifying, which was, what if I just stop practicing law? What if I close the firm, go back to being a project manager, go find a different career, go into a different space? What if I just stop? And again, that thought was crazy. It was hard for me to say out loud, let alone answer. But there was clearly something happening that wasn't working. But having that thought, although in the moment I couldn't answer it, it did open the door to give me permission to think about other things possibly. That was an outcome that could be something I explored. So there's a little bit of freedom in it, even though at the time it was terrifying and I felt like I was standing on the edge of a cliff looking into an abyss thinking this is absolutely insane. I finished my walk. I again kind of came back to, you know, it's just this case. I'm just kind of having a rough time with this one. You know, the holidays are coming. Let me just hold on for a little bit, not make any crazy decisions uh, and just see how it goes. You know, maybe, maybe it was just a bad day, a bad week. So winter 2021 rolls up, spring 2022 comes along, and 2021 had ended up being the best year I had had as a business. Um, I had more than doubled my revenue from 2020. Uh, Things were really cooking. The train was on the track and moving along. It was the best year ever if you looked at the numbers I should have been elated. I should have felt like, man, I finally got to that point I'd been working so hard for for the last few years. But come spring 2022, you know, a few months after this mediation where I, you know, went for a walk and said, well, maybe I should just leave it all behind. Things had not really gotten better. I had serious trouble sleeping, couldn't sleep through the night constantly ruminating about whatever the latest fire was, whatever the last snippy email I got from opposing counsel, whatever trauma my client had shared with me, you know, that I was having um, secondary effects from. I just had terrible sleep. I would dread opening my email in the morning, just thinking, God, you know, what's going to face me today? What do I have to deal with? There was never a break. It was always my intention to work four days a week because I have little kids and I wanted to be able to spend time with them. But I had gotten to the point in early spring 2022 where that wasn't happening. I was working five days a week, often on the weekends um, because these fires and this stress just would not go away. And I'm sure there may be some of you listening who think, you know, five days a week and a little on the weekends doesn't sound so bad because I work seven days a week and 12 hour days. Um, So I recognize that and recognize that even in kind of the 
the hardest, most difficult time that I've had recently in the business, um, it may not compare to others, but it was still difficult for me and it was really stressful and it was really taking a toll on my mental health. Uh, You know, there was a lot of talk, rightfully so, kind of coming out of COVID in that early 2022, um, we had sort of gone through the worst of it. Uh, And there was a lot of talk of, you know, burnout. And I thought, you know, that's not me. I haven't thankfully been affected in my family with COVID, right? We were able to hunker down and get through it. Uh, And so, you know, I'm, I'm not in that camp of burnout, but I was, and it was hard to see it. It was hard to admit it. Uh, But now looking back, that's absolutely what was happening Uh, I began to resent my clients, even the ones that it wasn't directly their fault. Uh, It was just they had a case that the other side was unreasonable. They had a case where their opposing party picked a very unproductive opposing counsel who just would rather create problems than solve them. But I started to resent those cases. I started to resent, you know, going to work. I started to resent any new lead who would come in if they were a family case. I just didn't want any more of this. Sometimes things sort of come across your desk or your vision, um, maybe just when you need them. And I happened to be scrolling something someday and caught this cartoon that really punched me in the gut. And it was of this uh, young man, you know, probably early 20s, and he's walking along and he finds a dollar on the floor and he picks it up. And as he walks towards it, he sees that a little ways ahead, there's even more money. And so he keeps going and now he starts running because he realizes that the further he goes, the more money and he's grabbing all this money and he's keeping it close to his chest. And as he's doing this and he's running faster and faster, he's getting older, right? So he's into his 30s and 40s. And, you know, now he's has gray hair and he has wrinkles on his face. And he's running, running, running. And he's trying to catch all this money and catch all this money. And all of a sudden, he comes to the edge of a cliff. And he almost goes over holding all of this money as if it's somehow going to be a parachute should he fall over. And then the cartoon ends. It hit me in the gut because I felt like that was me. I had been not necessarily chasing money, but chasing something, the next goal, the next top of the mountain. You know, we did this much in sales this year. Next year, it's going to be more. Uh, You know, I was a project manager and now I'm going to go back to law school and then I'm going to pass the bar and then I'm going to open my firm and then we're going to do this and we're going to keep going and going and going and going more, more, more. But for what? I think that's the question that I asked myself when I saw this cartoon was, what am I running towards? The cliff? The end? And I'm going to have all of these accomplishments, quote unquote, maybe all of these resources, but that's not going to save me when I go over, right? That I can't take that with me. And am I going to look back on this journey that I ran so quickly through, always trying to get to the next thing and say, dang it, I missed it. I missed all of it. And I've heard people talk and it really hits home now that, you know, the one thing we can't buy is time. No matter how wealthy you are, you know, the richest person in the world, 
they cannot buy time back. They cannot buy their health, right? That's the other thing. And that hit home for me because I had these two little kids that I felt like I was missing their life. I wasn't present. I was always thinking about work. I was always stressed about work and they were growing up. And I knew from talking to other parents, talking to other moms, right? The days are long, but the years are short. And I knew one day I would wake up and they would be like, bye mom. I'm, you know, going off to college today, starting my own life. And I would have missed it. And what would I have missed it for? so that I could sit in a mediation to have an opposing counsel tell me they need more information that they could have asked me for for the last two months just so that they can go to hearing so they can bill their client for more money because they'd rather create problems than solve them. That's what I gave it up for. That just didn't sit well with me. And that was really a aha moment of this is what I'm running for. I'm always chasing the next thing at the cost of time with my family, at the cost of my health. That wasn't worth it to me anymore. And so I came back to that question that I allowed my brain to actually think several months before, which was, maybe I should quit. Maybe this is it. This, this just didn't work out for me. And that was still really hard to say out loud or to admit to anyone. This was all sort of internally happening. And if you have been with me for a minute or if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast, I shared a story when I first started um, of a colleague who ultimately told me that I would not be successful. And it still sticks with me. Um, I still remember that memory, uh, and it certainly has motivated me for sure over the last few years. But in this context of maybe I should just quit, maybe I should walk away from the profession, man, his voice got real loud. And I could just hear him sitting there saying, you'll never be successful, except this time he had a smirk on his face because he was right. And was I just fulfilling that prophecy that he had said so many years ago by quitting? And I also was embarrassed to quit because I work with a lot of attorneys on building a practice that they love and having that work-life balance and making sure that they're making choices that are good for their mental health. And here I am on a sidewalk thinking, F this, I'm done with this profession. I couldn't even do it, right? I didn't even have the chops to do it. Like, am I gonna be a hypocrite to all of these colleagues of mine that I adore and am supporting and their biggest cheerleader? Are they gonna look at me and go, well, Lauren couldn't do it, so what's the point? So I kept it to myself for a long time and certainly shared it with my husband, but it was very private about it because it was embarrassing, right? I was months, years later at this point, I'm embarrassed sometimes even to share part of it in this podcast because I'm not a quitter, right? And so many people do leave the profession for very valid reasons. And I always just thought, man, if I just did things differently, that wouldn't happen to me. And here I was having that very real thought. So again, instead of making any kind of rash decision, I thought, okay, give yourself permission to think it, 
give yourself permission. If at the end of the day, changing careers is what's best, we're going to do that. But before we jump off that cliff, let's think about it a little bit more rationally. Let's really dive into what the issue is instead of making kind of a blanket statement that it's just the profession and being a lawyer as a whole. Around the end of April, probably 2020, last year, I said, okay, let me make a list. What is it about the profession, my my job now, the way the business is structured, what I do that I love? What's the good stuff? And so for me, it's the freedom I have in running my own business. I don't answer to anyone. I don't ever have to ask for permission of how I spend my time every day. I can be super creative. I can make TikTok videos if I want to. I can change my pricing. I can add on new technology. I like that freedom and creativity. And I really love my clients. I love helping them. I love being a support for them in some of their darkest days just hoping to give them maybe a little bit of hope, a little bit of guidance, take some of the burden of what they're dealing with off of them. And I really do have a great relationship with my clients. I like learning about them and their families and their likes and what they do on the weekends and kind of making that connection. Those two pieces I really loved. And then I said, what is it that I hate about what I do now, about the work, about the setup, whatever it is? What is it that's causing me to want to quit? And it was just one thing. And it's sad and it's disappointing. And it's crazy to me that this is the thing. But it's other lawyers. It's opposing counsel, to be more specific. And I don't know if it's just family law is like this or if this is kind of the MO across the board, but that adversarial, aggressive nature that is taught to us in law school, it's not helpful, I think, to cases. It's not productive to help our clients reach their goals from both sides. I know that there's two sides in every family case. Not saying my client is ever always right, I know the other side has goals. I know they have things that are important to them. I want to recognize those and find a solution that works for everybody. But that kind of asshole mentality is awful when you are on the receiving end for no other purpose than to be an asshole. I have had opposing counsel when I'm trying to work with them hey, I understand your client's upset about this. You know, what can we find some resolution? Here's where, you know, my client is at. What can we do? You know, I've gotten responses of only if your client agrees with my client, are we going to get anywhere? I had an opposing counsel tell me that I needed to get control of my client uh, as if that was even an option. They are a self-sufficient individual human being. I can only advise them as we all know. But the idea that it's me personally involved in this case and you personally as opposing counsel is a really dangerous approach I think a lot of attorneys take. It's not me. This isn't my divorce. I am helping this person through this divorce. I always use each party's name. John really feels this. Sally really feels this. 
I hate using your client because it pulls in the attorney as if it's personally their issue. And so that's what was the deal breaker for me. That's what was going to have me quit was other lawyers. It was just toxic. And when I realized that, that it was that one piece, I thought, okay, maybe there's a solution here because it's not all or nothing. So last year from May to July, I just stopped selling at all. I closed my consults. My goal was to end the family cases that I had because at that point I had decided to make a transition that I was going to stop selling cases that had me involved with opposing counsel. And so I needed time to do that because the cases I had, I couldn't just make that decision and the next day it would flip over. So I took three months, I stopped selling, I finished out the cases that I had. And during that time, I put together a service package that allowed me to still serve the client, to still help them through this process that was super confusing to them, that still gave them the support that they needed and that I enjoyed providing that was still at a flat fee that would work for them in terms of budget, but didn't have me involved with opposing counsel or being kind of the front face of the case. I put those services together, went through the you know pricing toolkit, the same process to determine the, the price to start. And in July, 2020, I launched those new services and I started taking consults again. I had wrapped up kind of the last case um, that was in that same vein where opposing counsel just made it miserable. We had finally gotten to permanent orders. uh, And so I didn't have any of those cases anymore, which was just a huge relief in itself. But when I launched this new approach in July, 2020, it felt like a huge risk. It felt like I had jumped off that cliff into the abyss because I had no idea if this was going to work. I had no idea, could I have a family law practice that didn't really deal with the contested, super contested aspect of it? Could I have a family practice where clients were okay that I would draft their documents, but they would sign and file them. And outside of negotiating, they would be in communication with the other party or opposing counsel. And would they be okay that I wasn't going to hearings? I'm not going to do the contested hearing work. That too was a huge stressor for me. It was a big risk. It was a huge risk. I thought, God, maybe there's two people out there who can do this, like that they're the the target client for this. And two people wasn't going to save my business, right? Like, did I just shoot my firm in the foot by making this change? So it was really scary the back half of last year, um, hoping that it would work. Because I tried to take calculated risks and I knew that this was the right decision for me and my business, I also decided, let me get back into estate planning and let me also look at estate administration. So I took some CLEs, right? Got my feet under me, got some mentors. I thought maybe if I can ramp that part of the practice up, if the family law side does 
dip because there is less of a market for what I am selling, I can help offset it. So there was a lot going on in the back half of last year, and it was really slow. By, I'd probably say end of October, November, I definitely started panicking. I'm not getting the sales. This family law approach is not going to work, right? But I had gotten to the point where asking the crazy questions felt okay. I at least gave myself that permission. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just ditch family law. Like I like this estate stuff. I like probate. The negative to doing that was I was kind of starting from scratch, right? I had been in my practice for seven years at this point, but just doing estate planning and probate, I felt like I was in year one. I didn't have the lead volume. It wasn't generating enough revenue to be at the same level of sustainability. So it was either figure out the family law piece or kind of go back to square one and start over and, you know, rebuild the estate piece from scratch and take a hit for a little bit, which is doable, but was certainly hard to do after having some banner years of sales, right? And it's, it's always hard to go backwards. But I trusted the process. I trusted that I knew I was making the right decision and that if it was going to work out, it would work out. It just might not be as fast as I wanted it to be. But it turns out that the end of the year may have also been the end of the year. I don't know if you have the, you guys have this in your practice, but it t- tends to slow down for me, especially in family law, right? People aren't asking for divorces like between Halloween generally and Christmas. Like that's just the worst gift. Hi, you know, Merry Christmas. Can we get divorced? So that may have also been happening. But at the time, my blinders were onto that. And it was more of like, I've just made the worst decision for my business. I've shot myself in the foot. What am I doing? Did I just make a huge mistake. Come this year, January 2023, holidays are over, people are back in action. I have the best month ever in sales that I've ever had in seven years. It just blew it out of the water. And I thought, okay, okay, you know, this, this might be working. Maybe, maybe this is just one month. Maybe everybody just got real excited after the holidays. But this is, this is a good sign. You know, if nothing else, this is a great month. You know, even if next month takes a dip, it's going to still get our average. February comes, it does take a little bit of a dip. So I'm like, oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. We had a great January. March comes along and I then have the best month ever. I sell the most that I have ever sold ever in one month. In fact, I sold more than the salary of my first job when I graduated from college, which was kind of a big deal and moment for me. And it really helped solidify, I'm gonna be okay. This is gonna work out. It was a huge risk, but it's gonna work out. And if, it, if I keep needing to pivot, I'm gonna pivot, but I think I might be onto something. And that was a, just a nice win that I needed um, after the last 18 months. And at this point, at the end of May here, I am on track to sell well over a quarter million dollars this year, which would be insane. It is just me and my firm. I don't have a paralegal. I don't have an assistant. It's just me. I wear all the hats, but business is really taking off and this approach is working, right? It's not for every client. I definitely still lose sales because 
clients want someone to speak on their behalf. They don't want to deal with the other party or opposing counsel at all. But I've got some great colleagues who I refer those cases to because that type of work works for them, right? They're not built the same way I am. I have just recognized that that doesn't work for me. But I have found a ton of clients who the way I work works for them. They don't want to be in some highly contested, aggressive, all-out battle for their divorce. They understand they want to save money. They would like to save their own sanity and mental health. They just want to get through it fairly, and they just want to understand the process. And so, you know, I've continued to be consistent with my marketing, to make videos, you know, on TikTok, posting to YouTube, to be able to reach those people who are looking for that type of work. But so far, it's working. I wanted to share my story, like I said, in case you might be out there listening, kind of having those same feelings of this isn't working, whatever it is. This role that I have, this setup that I have in the legal profession isn't working. And I think a lot of times, you know, we hear of colleagues who just leave. And if that's the right answer for you, then go for it. The voices will always be there. Somebody will always have an opinion. But at the end of the day, Are you running towards the edge of the cliff only to get to the edge of the cliff and go, shit, I didn't do that right. I I would have gone back and done it differently. Why not make that decision today and do it differently? And if you're just giving yourself permission to say, what if I quit? gives you some freedom to think of something else or change your approach or change your practice area. I'm hopeful that my story and sharing of all the feels that I had and the insecurity and nervousness and embarrassment will just give you some confidence that um, you can do it too. And so when I look back over the last 18 months or so, kind of with this perspective, um, the things that I think helped me the most were allowing myself to ask the crazy question. If you are an achiever, if you are a perfectionist like me, if you don't give up, if you grind it out, if you're not a quitter and thinking of saying, well, maybe I'll just quit is just not an option for you, seems very foreign, just ask the question what if I quit? What if I walked away? You don't have to do that, but there's something in asking that question that gives your brain some freedom to not feel like you just have to white knuckle it through whatever is going on. And I think in doing that, what I also did was gave myself permission to walk away. I said, if really this is what I have to do, if I have to leave this profession, if I have to go find another career, if I have to open that law school loan statement every month, knowing that I just threw $80,000 down the drain, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I knew I would look back and that would just be money. But I would have had my time back and my health back and been able to do all of the things that actually made me happy. Um, So giving yourself permission to walk away, if that is what is really needed, is a really big step. And, And for me, it was also quieting those voices, right? Not hearing that guy who told me I wasn't going to be successful, trying not to worry about if I had to go to my colleagues and say, hey, you know, I know I told you that you could build a practice you love, but that's not working for me right now, right? Not really holding on to that embarrassment or anxiety or stress that that might have given, really focusing more on what am I going to give myself? What 
am I going to gain by doing this? And defining success for myself again was really helpful in this process. Even a couple of years ago, success might have been hitting a certain number or getting revenue to be at a certain place or having so many clients. Whereas now, once I kind of got off that conveyor belt, it's spending time with my kids. It's not dreading my email in the morning being able to open it and go, all right, what are we going to like achieve today? Not God, what fire are we going to have to put out? It's working four days a week, which I am back at. It is being able to go to the gym every morning and come to the office around 10, 30, 11 and start my work day there, right? It's having that time for myself that is success to me now. It's not about the numbers. I don't feel like I am running collecting all the money as fast as I can running towards the cliff anymore, but I had to know what it was I actually wanted to then be able to build a practice around that. Thinking through what was working and what wasn't in the practice was really helpful too. not taking that all or nothing approach, but saying, okay, what do I like about this practice and what do I not like? And is there a way I can take out the parts I don't like and still keep the parts I do like and just maybe have the business look a little bit different? And that also allowed me to get curious about other practice areas. You know, I really didn't think about estate administration very much, but it was an easy jump from, well, if I go back to estate planning, well, maybe I can do both the front end and the back end and what's involved with doing estate administration and who can I talk to about that and what CLEs are out there that I could just get some information. So just starting to get curious about other practice areas kind of made it fun again it, it took away the stress. I wasn't just kind of focused on all the negative and starting to incorporate those into the practice too also allowed my brain to not focus only on the family law matters that were really stressful, right? I could maybe work on those, but then I had fun and like, we'll be excited about, oh, I got this new probate case. Let me work on that. So it was nice to have that balance. And at the end of the day, you know, really just having the confidence that you know what's right for you. I ultimately just trusted myself that no matter what I decided, whether it was to grind it out, whether it was to make a pivot, whether it was to quit and leave the professional together, that I would figure it out. I would figure something out. I wasn't going to abandon my responsibilities with my family. I would make sacrifices where I needed to. But the point was I was heading in a better direction for me and I would figure out how to get there. I hope that sharing my story was helpful. I hope that if you are having similar experiences or thoughts that you don't feel alone, that I'm sure many of us have maybe had that thought of maybe I should just quit. I certainly felt alone when I had it, but I have to believe that I'm not the only one. And so hopefully in hearing this episode, if you've had those feelings, you too now know it you are not the only one. Um, it is a really tough profession. It is built on scaffolding that is very adversarial and aggressive and tends to reward just kind of being the loudest jerk in the room, um, right? So there's a lot of like systemic things that play into this that we all could work at hopefully dismantling a little bit, hopefully becoming more problem solvers than problem makers. Uh, but in the next episode, I'm going to build off of this one and talk about some of the specific habits that I've put in place over the last 
uh, year or so that have helped keep me on track, um, that have helped me not slip back into, oh, maybe I'll just take that family case or um, when a client, you know, really begs, please, Lauren, I've really liked working with you. Can you please do the hearing for me, right? What habits I've put in place or changes that I've made to be able to keep on the track that I'm going. So I hope that you'll tune in next time as we kind of continue this conversation and get a little bit more practical with it and get some tips and tricks for things maybe you could implement in your practice or in your day if you are kind of feeling similarly to how I I have felt and still feel some days, but it's definitely far less. And I can safely say for now, I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, Don't plan on going anywhere. And I hope that my story just shows you that you can still build a practice that you love. You can build a different practice. It just may take some left turns, maybe some right turns, go around some curves sometimes before you get it kind of right or get it where you want it to be. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Until then, keep building. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you've just finished another episode of A Different Practice. For more from this episode, head over to adifferentpractice.com slash podcast for show notes and links to resources. If you found this episode helpful, let me know by leaving a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're looking for even more practical tools to optimize your law practice for growth and enjoyment, be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. The link is waiting for you at a differentpractice.com slash subscribe. I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, keep building a different practice.